You are listening to episode 220 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we dance the dance of death in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we're playing Shadow Dancer, The Secret of Shinobi on the Sega Genesis and this... actually using the Sega Genesis. Yeah. No. Yeah. Use the Retron. Oh, that's right. But we use the Sega Genesis cart. Yeah. It's close enough. Close enough. <laughs> so uh, this was my choice, I think. And it wound up being something cool. Like, I know that I am not the Sega guy. So I was like, you know what? Let's play some dope game on the Sega. And I pulled off the ninja game and i was like yes and it was actually really fun so i think my favorite thing is that you hate sega games usually because of the button mapping and we use a retron controller which has even more terrible button mapping compared yeah. to the sega genesis so that was pretty great I yeah i mean that. we've used the retron so many times now that i'm kind of like used to the retron a little bit more like i probably use the retron controller as much as i've used a sega controller i'm not super used to it because i mean like like you said you're like so i have to press down to be able to start yeah, the, the buttons game. suck the controller feels terrible it's the weirdest button layout can we not just plug in a regular controller i could but the cables are super short on genesis oh yeah so stupid stupid people it is what it is man it upscales it it looks good it's a wireless controller eh you know i'll deal with it Okay, uh, before we, of course, jump into our recent pickups and what we're currently playing, uh, you could find us on thegamedeflators.com, our out-of-date website, which I have not touched at all. I really need to. Uh, YouTube, we're on there, and we're actually updating episodes on a weekly basis, so if you don't want to hear it on the podcast, you can hear it on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on the podcast application you are listening to right now, or another one if you prefer, and of course, leave us a five-star review. And on social media, you can find us at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter at Game Deflators. I did not screw that up for the first time in a while. John, guess what? You did so good. I'm going to leave you a five-star review, and I think it might inspire others to do the same. How about you leave me six? I will leave you six five-star reviews. That works. That works. And you should, too, if you're listening. Okay. <laughs> Our uh, pickups. I'm currently waiting for two of these to come in. Uh, I got, it is technically pronounced uh, Baroque, uh, so Baroque, I guess, on the Wii. It's and not Baroque? I looked it up, and it looked like it was Baroque. It's French. I, so I, I think it's Baroque, like the Baroque architecture and I don't know. movement. I, I don't, maybe that's the English pronunciation as well. Like Could that be. we grew up on yeah. Baroque. Yeah. So that's why I said My last Baroque. name's French. I'm not. So I don't know how to <laughs> pronounce everything. <laughs> I don't. My last name doesn't match any of my lineage. So I feel you. Uh, okay. And then also, so that's on the Wii. It's a RPG on the Wii. Um, I had looked at it years ago. I was like, oh, yeah, I should totally pick this up on the PS2. It's like 60 bucks on the PS2 now. I'm like, well, let me just get it on the Wii because then I own it. And then I could technically say, yeah, I own the PS2 or Wii version of the RPG because I've been doing both over the years. I've been collecting both 
Wii and PlayStation 2 RPGs as you know, whenever I can same with horror games, if there's any horror games on there, which is why I had Silent Hill shattered memories on the Wii and not on the PlayStation 2. Um, so really, that's kind of how that's worked out. So uh, there's a few RPGs that I have on the Wii that are on PS2 and vice versa. Well, you uh, know, if that system's working for you, if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. I love it. That was great. Yeah, I'm going to my child is going to hear that when he's older and he's going to wonder what the hell it is. I'm just going to be like, you'll figure it out one day and he'll You're grab gonna be like, that. It's some game we never played anyways. No, the best part about it is like he's one day going to go on the shelf and I'm just going to hear, I got it. I figured it out. And he's going to be holding Baroque in his hands. <laughs> best way to do it. I mean, just let him learn. Right. Okay. And the other thing I've got, that's coming in the mail is uh, one piece burning blood on the PlayStation four. So is that like one of the Muso games? It, I don't know if it's a Muso game, but it's a fighting game. Oh, a fighting game. Muso's like uh Dynasty Warriors. Oh, uh, they made no. a bunch of one piece like Dynasty Warriors type games. Oh, I probably have one or two of them actually, but uh no, this is on the PS4. It's a fighting game. And uh, I figured once I am caught up on One Piece, which I guess I'll go into now versus our discussion topic, uh, I will play this a little bit to kind of tide me over until the anime catches back up. But I am in the Wano arc. I am on episode 980. I have 70 episodes until I'm caught up on the anime, Ryan. Nice. And then the manga begins? Uh, the manga is actually not that far ahead. I think the manga is on like episode or not episode, but chapter like 1100 or something like that. So it's not too far ahead. And in fact, they're doing weekly episodes right now for one piece. So like every week that goes by, I get to watch one more, I guess. Um, Wano arc is supposed to go till I think 1070, if I'm correct. I think it's 1070 or 1080, one of the two. Um, but it's like just starting to end and go into the next chapter or next arc. So I'm stoked. I'm enjoying it as I have been. Uh, it's definitely the greatest anime of all time. And um, yeah, I cannot believe I have watched this much One Piece. I have read some more One Piece since last week. Spoke. Really? What did you read? Uh, they are still making the cake. They are actually making the cake now. Before, when I was reading, they were on their way to make the cake. Now they're in the kitchen. So those manga chapters, because I downloaded an app that you can read them for free one time called Manga Plus, and it literally has every chapter of One Piece up to date, including up to weekly and or bi biweekly because they release every two weeks, I think. And um, yeah, you read a you could read it once and then it's no longer free, basically. So I read a couple. I read the episode I watched yesterday i read the manga chapter because i'm like eh, i'm kind of curious like what it looks like and it was pretty much on point and then the same thing like i read the next episode essentially or chapter to see when i watched anime how close is it to determine if i really want to read the manga afterwards or not but because of how close they are i'm just watching the anime because i enjoy the anime more than reading but those chapters are super short man i banged through like two of them in like less than five minutes yeah, they go quick. The chapters, like, because usually when you get a book of manga, it's like five to ten chapters, depending yeah. on like how long they are or something like that. Yeah, so you can catch up really quickly if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. So I think you should. So we can talk one piece. Yeah, I'll be doing it. So you jumped like all the way ahead of like all of my pickups and playing. 
Oh, you didn't no, even no. talk about your plane. No, you I just straight I just from told your you. pickups all the way to the end. <laughs> I just told you. I just mentioned that since I'm on the topic of One Piece burning blood, let me bring up so we don't have to put it in the discussion topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, right, yeah, listening, so, Brian. So okay, now, now, now what's going on? What, now, what, how do we get back on track, John? I'm going to talk about my currently playing. Okay, what are you playing? Well, now you don't care, do you? Yeah, you probably don't. <laughs> uh, so I've been playing Factorio, of course, and uh, I have. <laughs> I've been trying to play my new games resolution game and I keep going back to Factorio. So I would have already been done with Cardia if I just would have put the time towards it. I've put in 38 hours into Factorio. Yeah, it's one of those games. Uh, it's addicting, man. Like right now we are developing research on nuclear weapons so we can wipe out the aliens that are around our uranium. But the problem that we're having is we need to get to the uranium ore in one area and there's aliens surrounding it. So how are we supposed to make nukes to destroy said aliens when they're surrounding the uranium that we need to make nukes? Say no, Ryan. They're well, so isn't it a bad idea to nuke your uranium anyways? They're far or enough away. does that just make it better? They're far enough away. Plus, I think it might make it better. <laughs> I don't know uranium. how nuclear power works there, sir. I don't either because I haven't been able to get to my uranium output. So that's kind of Do that research and let me know. Uh, we have been, we have been, but, uh, so we decided the other day, like, let's upgrade our armor. Let's upgrade our little robots. Let's go head to head with these aliens. And we got wiped out pretty quick. So, so go on. Oh, I was going to say, uh, tell me actually a little bit about Cardia. Like what have you played of it? Like, what's it like so far? Are you into I played it? like, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty into it. I mean, it's just factorios there. Uh, I have been playing probably about five, six hours. No, probably more than that. I've I've played through about 18, not 18, sorry, about nine chapters so far, about six major battles, nine chapters in total. The way it because it's set in two, not two worlds, but two character point of view. So you have 18 chapters that are one character and then you have another 18 chapters. You replay it as a point of view from the other character to get your well-rounded story which is kind of cool slash kind of sucks because I wonder how many of the battles are going to be the same when I have to play it, you know, and does anything carry over? Probably not, which means I'll be starting fresh in all these battles, but I'll have the experience to be able to dive through and be okay. Um, Cardia itself. So if I'm understanding correctly, the world itself uses Cardia, um, which is like the magic to be able to, do things in the world like create phantoms and other stuff and cardia is like a gift from the gods if i recall um it, the story is kind of hard to pace um and you have people that are trying to get to like this world tree uh be able to be able to essentially create better weapons and cardia and everything else and like steal cardia so that's like the whole world revolves around cardia like it's not a specific character it's a specific like material or item or magic type of feeling that they have um throughout the story and right now, as far as where I'm at, uh, the characters are still kind of getting to know each other. Characters are still coming in with like, oh, I haven't seen you in like 15 years and you betrayed me and all this other stuff. Um, and so the, the main protagonist that I'm playing is actually side by side with the other protagonist that I will be playing. Uh, and him, Kuhn is his name, K-U-N, is a new recruit. Um, and you follow, God, I forget her name. I think it's... It's not Lacromancia. I'm forgetting the name offhand, but they are essentially fighting together. Um, 
at this point as comrades to try and go through as part of the of the story. And uh, there's like thieves that are trying to take pieces of a world tree right now and you're trying to fend them off. There's like betrayals right now where people are like hiding amongst ranks to try and take the world tree. And it's a whole bunch of mishmash. Like, honestly, I still need to read the wiki again to fully understand what the hell I've been playing because the story is a little all over the place and the pacing is not the best. Um, but from a gameplay perspective, it's actually pretty fun from a tactical aspect as far as RPGs are concerned. And there is permadeath um, that happens amongst your phantoms that you create, which you use Cardi to create phantoms, and then you can equip them with uh, different weapons and stuff based on what they are. You have three types. You have common, dull, and shadow phantoms, and those phantoms are strong against like different types of phantoms. So, for example... Common is stronger than dull. Dull is stronger than shadow. Shadow is stronger than common. And so if you had those head to head, they would deal more damage or less damage based on who they're facing. Um, you do have magic that you use. So you gather like mithril and silk and other types of like materials or uh, texts along the way. And those are used to enhance your magic or allow you to cast magic spells at like certain levels. Uh, so after every battle, you get a certain amount. And then also when you like open treasure chests or destroy certain trees or plants, um, you also get additional text that you can help to build up your your mana base or your, or your stronger spells, essentially. Um, every character from what I've noticed has the ability to cast magic. They can heal. Some are obviously better than others. Um, you're able to equip pretty much any weapon and develop weapons on the fly. Uh, so you actually develop your own weapons. There's no shops, no nothing. So before the battle starts, you can indicate, I want to create these weapons and then I want to equip these weapons and I want to lay my characters out in these areas for this battle to start. You can look at all the enemies, say, okay, there's four doll enemies or phantoms. That means I need to create four commons and then also understanding there's a bunch of shadows in this side so i need to create some dolls to be able to fight those shadows so you have to think strategically before the battle starts how you want to lay things out and then from there uh when the battle actually starts they're a little lengthy the characters don't move super far away and in fact if i was to like just end my phase the enemy may end their phase as well like they won't move anybody over either so it's okay. the weirdest yeah it's weird like as you start progressing then the enemy starts progressing like if i the other day, actually, it was a major battle. I was like, well, I don't want to like spread myself thin. So why don't I just like clockwise work my way around the map and take out enemies one by one till I get to my location that will finish them up. And it was interesting because like the ones that were closest to me came over to me, but the ones further away didn't move at all. They just stayed put. So it's like, OK, cool. Like you can outsmart this AI, basically, uh, which mm -hmm. is fairly easy to do, I would think, in, you know, 2023 for a game that was in the 90s. Um, so yeah, that's it from that perspective. Uh, I'm enjoying the music. The art style is cool. Um, the save feature is badass. So like you save before battle starts, like when, like in the planning phase, you could save in the middle of the battle. If you want, you can save right after the battle. And then the only time that you can't really save is when they're doing like dialogue but the dialogue happens immediately after a battle or technically before, if you want to call it that. And you can save right after. So like it'll go dialogue, battle, dialogue, chapter concludes. Would you like to continue? Would you like to save? Then it goes back. Dialogue, battle. So you're dialogue. not like there's no exploring or moving mm -hmm. around. It's just battles and dialogue. It is purely battles and dialogue. It's almost as if it's like a 
like a narrative game, like just narrative. Uh, I forget the technical term. Yeah, almost. It's it's really interesting the way it's broken out. So I didn't think it would be this. I thought it'd be a little more open world. I didn't. It's always been like a cover looks badass. It's one of those. It's like not super common. Let me buy it. Let me see how it is. Like I never really dove into and watched videos and got super excited about it. Um, you know, that's just how it was. Another game I need to go back to. It's very similar. This is Hoshigami running Blue Earth. Um, that game got stupid hard, so I had to stop. Um, and I was in the middle of moving and other things, so life just kind of got in the way on that one. But that's another one that I really need to dive back into. It's very similar to this. Okay. So yeah, there's your update on Cardia. If uh, you've been waiting for that and it wasn't very good, well, that's because I haven't played it very much. Because Factorio, the factory must grow. Must okay. grow. Go on, Ryan. Your turn. Uh, so I picked up Hi-Fi Rush this week, which I know John doesn't know too much about because he did not watch the Xbox Direct. <laughs> but it was a shadow drop uh, by Tango, and it is pretty cool. It's a, like a... I, I played a little bit of it. It's a action game uh, with rhythm timing. So everything in the world moves to the beat. Um Everything is timed out so that your hits always land on the beat. But when you initiate the hit, if you hit the button on the beat, you get like an added bonus and you build up a combo meter like you do in like a DMC game uh, to get better rewards. I really know yet what you spend your money on. Uh, I haven't gotten that far. It's in a beautiful cell shaded art style that's kind of like that Western anime with kind of like softer edges and kind of like poppier colors. Um, I think that the uh, the voice acting sounds really great. I can't remember who the guy that plays the main character is, but he's like one of those voice actors that's like in everything. If you want to look it up, um, the world is interesting. Like the setting is your main character chai he goes to this place because he has like a busted arm or something it's in a sling and he's going to get like a robotic arm attached and it's in this like big future city that looks like something out of like wally or something like just very you know big bold colors and lots of just like things on automation there's all these like robots everywhere um but something goes wrong in the process of getting your arm attached and his like ipod gets fused with him so the world is all music and he has this like magnetic baton that he pulls out of his arm that pulls in scrap and turns into like a flying v axe (laughs) so you're just like jamming out knocking people around Uh, It's got a basic like light combo, heavy combo system that you can kind of mix and match, but you're trying to do it to rhythm and timing. You're trying to do your dodges to timing. You're trying to do your jumps to timing. And it's the timing's a little weird at first. I kind of got used to it a bit and I'm not the best rhythm game person or the most musical person, but it's got like music from real musicians Uh, everything sounds really cool. Everything looks gorgeous. And I mean, this game is getting like crazy reviews. Uh, open critics got it at a hundred percent critics recommend and a 91, uh, average score. It's like killing it right now. Everybody's talking about it. And 
I think it deserves it. And coming from the studio that did like Evil Within and Ghostwire Tokyo, not what you would really expect. Um, well, what I was reading is it has like Jet Grind radio vibes as well. I uh, that's just because it's cell shaded. Oh, okay. It's cell shaded and it has music as kind of like a core part of it. Uh, one cool thing is it does have a streamer mode. So since it's a lot of like licensed music, uh, there is like an original soundtrack that you can play if you want to stream this game. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it uh, when I first saw it, it kind of reminded me of like Sunset Overdrive a little bit, like just kind of a wacky off the wall, like not what you would expect from Xbox Studio kind of game. But I mean, they really hit it out of the park. It's a $30 release. It shadow dropped. So they like did their Xbox developer direct. And this had leaked out a little bit before, unfortunately, but like they did the direct and they were like, oh, hey, this game here it is for the first time. We're showing it. Also, guess what? It's available right now. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, So that was a fun surprise. Uh, I've also been playing a bit of Brave Fencer Musashi on the PS1. How is that? Oh, uh, you've never played it? I had it as a kid and it was so obtuse. I did not know how to play it or where to go back in the days before I knew how to internet. Um, But I always had a really soft spot for the game and I'm excited to actually play it now that I'm not a dumb kid and can figure out how to get through it. (laughs) Um, But I have also been playing a bit of Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, that's Which I've never played. Oh, so good. Yeah, but I'm like, I guess it's good, but I'm feeling that like i don't know i wanted to check out a platformer again because the last one i played was mario i guess Mm. mario odyssey Mm -hmm. and i just i don't know man i the camera angles in that game are terrible like i just i need to see more of it i need to keep going like because like the first mumbo mountain level or whatever was like only kind of like whatever so i'll move on to the next levels and, and see what it's about but I'm trying to just like play a little bit of this, play a little bit of that. I need to get the GameCube and Pikmin from you. Well, you'll get it uh, this next week, I guess, when you come over for yeah. D&D. Uh, All Banjo- right. Banjo-Kazooie is a lot of fun. So, I mean, just kind of stick with that one. If it's not your cup of tea, then, you know, honestly, I think Conquerors is better than Banjo-Kazooie from a platforming experience. Uh, I just prefer well, the I game. Just- I just don't know that platforming really does it for me. Cause like, I mean, Mario Odyssey was fantastic, but it's just like, I don't feel like as rewarded from the challenge that platforming provides. Like I was talking to some people yesterday. I feel like maybe it's a genre. I'm just kind of not that into as much anymore. Like I had a lot of fun going back and playing gears one for the story, but I'm not really chomping at the bit to get back into like a competitive shooter. And I got pretty into apex with you for a little bit. But yeah, Apex was fun. I mean, and I would still play it right now if I had more time on my hands. But yeah, factory must grow, Ryan. I just I want to play other things and I want to keep playing more things now. Like I'm kind of in a mood for that. So like I'm probably not going to finish any of these three games that I'm playing right now. But, you know, I'll play them for a little bit and see how it goes. Yeah. Oh, I know what my topic was going to be. We'll save it for next week. Well, no, I mean, we could just, it's really quick. Really, it's a quick hit topic. I promise. I promise. Okay. It was D&D. We had our first zero session last week for Strixhaven and, you know, just wanted to, you know, kind of quickly talk about 
zero sessions in general and the experience that you might have had in other campaigns and kind of the style that we went with last week in where we weren't like gathered together at a table like just doing stats you know like most zero sessions end up being like we went into a, a strictly let's go in as like level zero and kind of develop your characters oh you pick up your armor here oh you can start using magic like these are things that you can kind of build along the way and i will say up front it was very much experimental for me and i didn't know how it was going to go um but i think it went okay so i think that this maybe wasn't the setting for that necessarily so it makes sense if you were going to do like okay, you guys are all like farmers and your village gets attacked by goblins and now you're going to go become adventurers. Now you're level ones. Yeah. Like you survived the goblin attack. But it's like, we're already supposed to be magic people going to a magic mm. school and I'm a sorcerer that's like born with magic. So like for you guys to be like, well, you it's... all specifically chose wizards to go to a wizard school. Sorcerers you should are... have your wizards powers. Sorcerers aren't born with magic. That's literally the thing. It's in your blood. You were like, it's a part of your like DNA that you are magic. You didn't have to study it and learn it from a book like a wizard did. Well, I could have sworn it was the opposite. No, wizards use books. They have oh. spell books. Okay. Well, there's me. Yeah, but you're already you're actually the only one in the party that has that. Everyone what? else is like cleric, barbarian. But a cleric's getting like their power from like their god, like they're already a cleric or so like the thing is like it sets up a thing where if we're all coming in and getting our powers like it's kind of we don't really have a background at that point because like the cleric is going to get their powers from their god because we got detention. Well, no, that's why in that first battle, I said, you know what? Yeah, you guys can use magic because you're coming in and you technically would have some minor abilities at this point. But things like your weapons, you had no experience with, right? Yeah. Um, your armor, you had no experience with. So that's why like your first battle, you had no armor. Um, and then obviously the dex checks and other things like that. Like I tried. That's why I did the carnival setting for what it we just, were doing. Yeah. I felt like that would work in that setting. But like otherwise, I probably would have gone the traditional like let's sit back let's look at stats let's do zero session but i want to be a little more interesting and help you guys develop your characters and like talk about your characters versus like you're sitting at the table and you go well my character's name is this and here's what he likes to do and what he does like you give yeah. you guys an opportunity to like i like that express your characters and that's kind of what i was going for more so than like the you're level zero and you're going to build up to level one like it was really about getting you guys integrated which is why i went with like the breakfast club style setting where you guys are breaking out of detention to go have fun and then come back. Um, yeah. That, so that was that, very successful. All that, of that was successful. I just think that like taking into account where our characters are coming from when they're entering the setting and gating off stuff like my character as a sorcerer, I basically don't have a lot of weapon proficiencies and I don't have any armor proficiency. So like for me, it's all fitting and fine. But like if somebody was coming into this, you know, as like, oh, I've been a fighter and now I want to learn how to become like a fighter wizard combo. I forget what that class is, but like, yeah, you know, that kind of makes more sense. But for them to come in and just be like, well, they don't have a weapon or armor and don't really know, like that kind of doesn't make a sense for them. Like, it's not like nothing's ever going to be perfect anyways, but just some feedback. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, it's a zero session, right? It's meant to be like that. Everything else was great, though. Like the the 
detention and the sneaking out and the like the carnival games and the carnies like it was all good stuff oh the carnies were good carnies yeah. were fun um and then this upcoming session you guys will obviously be in orientation which is what i told you guys it's gonna be Do you have our syllabi uh i don't there's technically not really a syllabus i guess i could print something out for you guys to have but um for the most part it's just general orientation and the things that kind of come with that i'm homebrewing in a few little things here and there and i've got it i, I built this out a couple weeks ago so i gotta revisit and make sure i'm um, happy with what i have but the issue i'm gonna have is like during the school year because i told you guys strixhaven it's like four major events that happen over the course of one year and arrest its filler. So if I was to literally go, okay, five weeks pass. Now this is what's going on. It would be kind of boring. So I need well, to, you've got to use downtime. This is a downtime campaign. You yeah, got to study and do stuff. Well, yeah. And that's the issue is like studying only takes 15 minutes of gameplay. So what am I supposed to do? Like have you guys roll for study time? And then after that, be like, all right, now you take a test. Okay. It's five weeks later. So I have to have like some little, adventures in between and so i've been kind of thinking of harry potter and how the story and like the movies and stuff progress in that and it's like you know you okay, should go from the books not the movies because the movies distinctly just jump from like major plot point to major plot point and lose a lot of that like yeah hanging out in the common room walking through the halls the well, slow moments they loosely have some of that common time tied in and, and funny my wife's actually reading one of the harry potter books to our son at night and um, so I've been listening uh, to her reading and like understanding like how the book is breaking things down um, from like that character dialogue within the commons. And I think I have an idea on how I'm going to break up that downtime. Like you guys will have the downtime for studying. You'll have the time to talk. You'll have those relationships and stuff that are developed. How I develop those, I'm not sure yet. Um, but I do know how I'm going to expand upon the story in which you guys aren't jumping major event to major event. Like I'll give you an example. Like I'm not, I might not go through in this particular piece, but you know, a professor approaches you guys and says, Hey, I heard that so-and-so is part of a horticulture club or goes that person's on the horticulture club. Would you like to gather some of your friends to travel to another plane to help me gather specimens for um, yeah, a field trip that we're trying to make? Yeah. Field trip type stuff. And like, Oh cool. We can go to like a totally different plane and you guys might end up in like, the underdark and he's like okay i'm now gonna polymorph all of us into mycodons so we can like hide amongst them and study them and gather specimens and then head back to strixhaven and then if shit happens while you're there like i don't know um dwegar attack or something like that the mycodons well then now there's a battle and you guys can help save the mycodons like that's kind of the mindset i'm thinking for like that in between major events it's like these are cool things that could happen and things that you would experience in a college type setting um versus like test next big thing test next big thing and that's it the relationship building is going to be harder but that's going to be more on you guys and how you can develop those character relations with npcs i'm not going to be able to necessarily do that other than kind of fostering that development and bringing those characters to you um so we'll have to see how it plays out but that's kind of what i was thinking yeah another thing uh that would be cool would be for us to have like like a project like yeah we're project. we're there to like learn stuff and stuff so we could get i know a lot of uh stuff that i've heard from dms that i like online is that like giving individualized like campaign rewards like titles or like a little ability or a little something extra here or there nothing that's like game breaking but just something that's like 
oh, hey, you know, I've been working on my Incomancy and I finally was able to, you know, master this one thing. I'm going to so, be doing stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. stuff like that is what like you we get, could spend our time doing. Like Incomancy might be able to write out and get like a familiar with mm-hmm. your ink you know like yeah i've been thinking about that that's something i'll be including yeah so that's so all good cool. yeah cool uh okay so the initial discussion subject you had here was the golden eye launch so if you want to tackle that really quick yeah so uh golden eye came out for switch and xbox congratulations to nintendo and microsoft putting aside their differences and making it happen for the people uh there was a launch or a leak of a golden eye version uh like a year ago a couple years ago something like that this is not that version i guess this is something a little bit different and i guess that other one is supposed to be still superior potentially but who knows if we'll ever see that but this one is very different on switch and xbox and by very different i mean slightly different the xbox version uh may look a little bit better uh, it's got good controller mapping. Uh, it's a, you know a great version of the game. Unfortunately, no online multiplayer. Now the Just Switch version, kind of crazy when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I know it's ridiculously crazy. But it's probably because of the same thing that the Switch has. So the Switch has horrible controller mapping, and there are like guides online how you can go in and change your controller mapping to be better. But you're gonna have to like have a profile set up for that or something. Unless you want to go in and remap your controls every time um, or get used to it, I guess. But the Switch version has online multiplayer with split screen. So screen looking from around the world. I can't believe that. Like, And no yeah. voice chat. So you can't even yell at people about it. It's so, that's so stupid. Like, if I, like, that's not what you want. Like you kind of wanted the idea of like, okay, I can play GoldenEye and people can't look at my screen because like, that's what I grew up with as a kid. I don't know. Maybe they took nostalgia to a whole new level and said, Hey, you remember all that bullshit you dealt with when you were a kid and your friends or little brother were looking at your screen and cheating. Yeah. We're going to keep that going. Like, how would you even do a competitive type of GoldenEye multiplayer? Unless Xbox or Microsoft specifically, is holding a non-split screen version for its... If everybody can screen look, then it's fair. I, Yeah, okay. It's just the game. It's yeah, just the game at I, that I'm point. I'm going to tell people online, be like, hey guys, I'm covering up three of the squares with paper so I can't see your <laughs> screens. Like, can you do the same? Oh yeah, sure. We'll do that too. No problem. It's like, have you ever seen the image and it's like two brothers, like one sitting like on the floor and one sitting on the couch and they've got like a piece of cardboard dude we did that. taped to the middle of the screen yeah my my brother always we we tap we um added a blanket to it and or like a couple chairs and we would kind of have it set up to where like he could only see his part of the screen because we'd have a blanket covering the chair so one of us would be in a fort and the other one would be like on the bed yeah uh, playing a game that's how we used to do it and it worked for the most part ingenuity what screen is always a major hassle i mean you know, it, as games have developed, you found out who was the better gamer, you know, without yeah. split screen, especially like a Mario Kart, right? Oh, I see on your screen, you were coming up behind me with a red shell. Let me just hold on to this green shell instead. So that way you can't do anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or let me just slow down. So that way you get ahead of me and I'll hit you with the green shell. So, yeah, I totally get it. The well, 
yeah, the amazing thing is that it's out though. I will check out the Golden Eye on Switch just to see what the control scheme looks like, and I will report back. Okay, good to know. If it's just like original controls, then if you are, I, I will say this actually, and I'll get some hate. If you're bitching about controller mapping, and it is the original controls, this is with me not knowing, if it is the original control layout, and you're bitching about how hard it is to play, then you are in 100% agreement with me that the N64 controller is the worst controller of all time. See, I wish I had. That's the thing. Like, I want one of those N64 controllers that Nintendo's always sold out of and go for like $100 on eBay. I want one of those. Like the original ones that are wireless now for the Switch? Yeah, just because like I want to play Paper Mario, but I can already play Paper Mario basically wherever I want. I can play it on my phone. I could crack my xbox and play it on there i could put it on anything but like to have the n64 controller and be able to play it with that that would make all the difference in the world see the only reason i would ever buy that n64 controller online would be i love the n64 controller it's not a good controller it's just so nostalgic for me it's a terrible controller it's yeah it's not a great controller nostalgia is the only thing that keeps that controller relevant yeah, I think it's it's fun. It's garbage. It's fun that it's like weird. It's it's just garbage. All right. Anyway, so moving <laughs> okay. on. Articles this week. Uh we are talking everything announced at Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct. Uh we're going to talk about a PlayStation patent to punish some toxicity and reward some players. Uh we got Dungeons and Dragons update on the OGL and uh, Fire Emblem Engage, <laughs> this, this dude funny. got shafted by GameStop. And we'll talk about all that. So starting off, I actually watched the Xbox Bethesda Developer Direct. You did not. Uh, it was okay. Um, I think it was nice that they talked to the devs. You know, they were the people. It wasn't like a stage with a host and all that. So it's cool to see the people behind the games. Um, maybe we saw a little more of them than gameplay when they should have been showing gameplay at times, but you know, whatever they'll iron it out over time. So I'm not going to go in the order that they did the show in. Um, but there was Minecraft dungeons, which came out is a really, I don't know. It, it looks good for what it is. It's like, a base building kind of towery um multiplayer Minecraft universe kind of like overlord game where you're like controlling minions and stuff RTS style, but I don't know. It looks like it's got a lot going on. It definitely looks like it's for people that are more than me. It's uh Minecraft Legends, by the way. Is that what I not what I said? You said dungeons. Oh, it, sorry. Yeah, Minecraft Legends. I'm looking right at it, too. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know I read the article, at least. Minecraft Dungeons was, was the last Minecraft spinoff game that came out. We're coming back to you from the past. <laughs> okay, <laughs> go on. But they've been talking about this game for a long time. I mean, they showed a lot of footage, but this was one of those ones where they kind of kept jumping back to the devs a little more than I thought that they should be. Yeah. Um, they showed Forza Motorsport, which looks great. Uh, they said that they did everything from the ground up like five times, so I believe it. Um, no date for this one, though. 
So still just 2023, and people were kind of surprised at that. Uh, I talked a little bit about Hi-Fi Rush. Oh, did I even say this stuff? Sorry. The article I'm going over is um, Wesley Yin Pool at Eurogamer. Very nice. Yeah. Um, Hi-Fi Rush, cool. I- I've been playing it a little bit. Uh, Tango Gameworks, it's interesting. People love it. Uh, ESO was there showing their newest expansion with like, I don't know, I'm not into ESO, so it doesn't do anything for me. And they were going to do their own like showcase just about that immediately after. So it didn't really make a big splash for me and it wasn't something that they covered for too long. So kind of whatever. And then Redfall. Uh, I am excited for Redfall. I've been excited for Redfall, but now I'm more excited. Uh, I think that it looks like a really cool game and something that I can have some fun with. Um, A lot of people I've heard are like kind of not sure what Redfall is. I think it's pretty straightforward from what I've seen. And I think this was a really good showcase of some of it. And it got me excited for, you know, what the tech is in the game and some of the in-universe stuff. I really want to see, you know, how these vampire gods shake out and what all of the different like districts are going to be like uh once you like beat a district and get the underboss done you like recover it so i want to see if it's like actually going to make changes to the world uh because a lot of those games you kind of like you fight back and you take back the district and it's like the flags change color or, or something like it's not like it really makes a meaningful difference in the world. So I'd like to see if it opens up like new bases or returns things to like normal or more normal in a certain area. So I, I really want to see how interactive the world is and reflective of your actions in it, because that seems like something that they could do a lot with in this game. Um, yeah, I mean, all Xbox stuff, so I don't know. John, if you're really even interested in any of it. Uh, I mean, I am nowadays because I got my new GPU. So a lot of these games, I can start playing in 4K and not have any issues. Uh, let's see. So the newest Elder Scrolls game. I don't think they had much on that, right? Just kind of a general date. It's just the expansion for gotcha. Elder Scrolls Online. Um, let's see. Did you? They had Forza, which Forza doesn't really interest me too much. Uh, Redfall's probably the one that does interest me the most uh, from, you know, an Xbox perspective. But a lot of the games that I've been looking forward to for Xbox were not actually shown. So uh, like Senua would be one that I would want to, you know, obviously. I feel watch. like we should see more about that soon. It's been a while. We should. Um, Senua is one for sure. And then or Hellblade. Um, and then what's the other one? Uh, Shadow Chernobyl would be the other. But I need to replay the first one before I dive into that one. I never did beat the first one. I got like probably halfway through when I was younger and just PC gaming was not really my thing. But nowadays that you have controller mapping and can throw a controller on there. If I can map out, you know, Chernobyl to actively, you know, play of controller, I'm down hundred percent with that. So yeah, that's my general opinion on it. It was a short and sweet presentation from what I've been reading and nothing that I really want to play was covered. So yeah, I think this was a good design for Xbox, like make a show, 
showcase the games when you've got like four or five things to show. Yeah. Like that would be a good pace. Like you do that a couple times a year. You know, we're going to know that you're working on stuff. We're going to get excited about stuff. You don't have to do just like E3 and, you know, Jeff Keighley stuff. You could do your yeah. own stuff. Yeah. It'd be nice to see how this kind of progresses in the future as far as how they showcase their games and, and have those discussions. And we've talked about that before and and how companies present these types of shows and what they're doing as far as game trailers to interviews with developers and so on. And I've, you know, obviously mentioned at premium edition games, how they handle it. I really like that. So if other companies start doing that, that'd be pretty cool. Um, okay. So the next thing we have on here is new PlayStation patent would punish toxic players and reward others. This is Mark the champs at comicbook.com that uh, covered this. And uh, it's really cool when you see the layout. So I, God, I wish I would have put it in front of me, but basically uh, they kind of split up and like, you know, players toxic. I've got player. it in front of me. Oh, okay, cool. Go ahead and, and yeah, read that so off then. It's like a flow chart. You've got, you know, playing a game, reporting an abusive player, praising a player. Uh, it's going to get analyzed for its conduct. Uh, they'll determine, you know, yes, if the abuse occurred or if not, and then either uh, take action against the abuser or reward the player if it's successful and if it's you know if they can't determine that that actually occurred then nothing happens it just results in a you know hey thanks for reporting but this is a, a really cool way because you know you always hear you're gonna attract you know more flies with honey than vinegar like maybe this is a really key way to zone in and take toxicity from a different stance like give people incentives to not be assholes <laughs> instead of just punishing the assholes. Cause well, you can't, you can't fix an asshole by punishing them very often. I'm just getting flashbacks of team America world police right now <laughs> with that whole scene on, uh, about assholes. Um, so not to go into that, but you know, I, I know there's going to be people on there like, Oh, this is bullshit. Like, you know, Sony regulating what we can and can't say online games. It's like, no, there, there's a clear difference. Like they're going to have a person who's obviously like watching this. And it's not to say you can't curse. It's not to say you can't get angry. What it's to say is you can't take out that anger and curse at someone else. So if you were to say, you know, oh man, that kill was absolute bullshit. I can't believe that happens, blah, blah, blah. And it gets reported. Somebody on the other end is going to be like, eh, no. I mean, like they literally were just complaining about like, their character getting killed. Now, if you go, that guy's a complete asshole, like he's obviously cheating, like what a dick, and you start calling him out on it, then yeah, that's abuse in that respect. Or cursing at your um person in like Apex, like, oh, you suck, like you shouldn't be playing this game. Blah, Degrading blah, blah. Like, your teammates. Yeah, that's gonna get reported. But if you're just actively cursing and having fun, it's in the yeah. In the rating, it's like online play is not rated or maybe cursing, yeah. blah, 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 that occurs. Like, that's not going to be regulated. And if it does, then that's disappointing. I mean, that's a whole different thing. And that yeah. would be like they'd lose their player base. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're, that's just not – they would yeah. alienate so many people. But the the snitching part is actual, actually, like, hilarious, I think. like, Well, reporting already happens. Like, no, lots of I, games I have great tools for reporting. I just want to like, know – Rewarding it is, like, the key. And I think that as – you get rewards for like, oh, that, like there's more incentive, right? Like right now, if there's a player in Apex and I'm playing and the guy's an absolute dick and I report him, I feel like nothing happens, right? 
and well, likely you're never going to play with that person again anyway. So you're never going to really know if you had an effect or not. I have actually played with some of those people later on, actually, because I play in the same time frame, like every time I play. So but if if they got a 24 hour ban and you didn't play for three days, you would never know. Yeah, but there's some that I've reported and like the next day I'm playing with them. So like it happens and you see the same tag and you're like, oh, I played with you yesterday and they'll continue cursing or berating like it just happens. It's rare, but it happens. And it just kind of in those instances has been like, yeah, they didn't do anything about this. Like clearly didn't do anything or somebody like wasn't playing the game like they were away from their controller and they were reported. And it's like, OK, well, what do I do? Like they haven't been banned for X amount of time. So I think like the. What basically long story short, I think that the inclusion of rewarding people for actively reporting issues is going to be a huge benefit to gamers in general. Like, I don't think they reward you for reporting people. I think it's you can get like a positive thing. Like somebody could go in like where they would put a negative feedback towards you. They can instead put a positive feedback towards you. Oh, like a Reddit system. No, I no, it's from, not. This isn't like you're getting like you don't get like points for ratting people. This is like somebody can go in and be like, John, you did such a good job this yeah. game. You deserve 20 extra experience. It says this match. provide rewards, e.g. accolades, virtual points and medals. It's on 120 yeah. on the if right If a hand player side. if a player did praiseworthy conduct, not yeah, pra- if they reported on a player. Oh, I got abuse. you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, I get it. So report so abuse, blah, blah, blah. Apex needs to have a system where if you, you know, covered your buddy and you got all the way to the end and you were like super supportive and calling out like, you know, things that you were seeing on radar, then they could go in and be like, yeah, man, like give this guy an extra thing. Like it would probably just be like at the end of a match, uh, like you go over their name and hit a button and confirm and it gives them an upvote or something and so you're I, more likely to promote that player as a good player i mix the two up so yeah no i get what you're saying and i get what it's saying here um what i mean by it is there is incentive to report abuse in the aspect of as people continue to report abuse that player that is not providing praise now has incentive to provide praise and be a good player in general or team player online because oh I can get rewarded. I can get virtual points. I can get other things in game because I'm not a dick versus if I'm a dick every game and people are like, well, screw that guy. I'm just going to report him. Yeah. That's going to help in the long run. This is on the devs though. Like just because PlayStation came up with this system, devs would have to implement it into their game in a way that made sense and was usable for players to readily get to because you know sometimes you're just not going to do anything you know the match is going to be over and you're going to walk away and get more cheetos like you you're not going to always capture that so they need to make it as streamlined and impactful as possible without towing the line to where you're getting some kind of advantage that people are just going to farm it i think you can technically like with people that you're playing with online on playstation it indicates like people you recently played with and you can report and do based off that so the devs may not necessarily need to put this into it it may just be a feature to see well, what's on the Sony's incentive end. what do you mean like if they're trying to make it an incentive based system like i guess you could get like sony points towards well, their new like digital collectibles market yeah, that they're working a, on that's what i was gonna say i would probably be that or like some stupid nft if it's nfts i'm gonna just keep cursing and berating people but Mm -hmm. if it is uh i'm just kidding but 
we'll see. Uh, I was I, thinking more of like an individual game, like like I was saying, like if you're good as a partner in Apex, then getting more things would be like, you know, you get a little bit of experience bump or something. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it's just points he can use in the eShop. Yeah. I mean, never know. All right, uh, so that's good. All right. Uh, this is the best news. This is great. So this is Linda Kodiga at Gizmodo. Man, we won. Dungeons and Dragons OGL 1.0A uh, moved into the Creative Commons. Uh, unrevocable. The whole SRD 5.1 moved into the Creative Commons. Unrevocable. Like, that is ours now. We yelled into the void at the man, and we, we beat him down, people. Good job. Everybody, good job. Uh, yeah, so we won. It's going to stick around. Um, the response was so overwhelming. I, I love what they said. I should have copied it out. Uh, the feedback is in such high volume and its direction is so plain that we're acting now. Uh, they were going to leave the feedback open for like two more weeks, but they were just like, well, I guess they told us. It should have never happened to begin with. Yeah, this like, is the biggest loss in PR for a, a brand that had just become the most successful that it had ever been in its history. Like it's come from being like a in the news called like a devil worshiping thing that like was so like banished from society. And now it's like such a champion of like the underrepresented and, you know, people of all walks of life. And then for them to just throw it all away and have to backtrack so hard must be so embarrassing you never go corporate you never go full corporate that's you know it wasn't it chase that just devalued them for like their wizards approach like a month ago and the no the magic approach well yeah the magic the gathering stuff like they were yeah. devalued on that because of what they were doing with magic and then they did this <clears throat> yeah i want to see like, what that value is now <laughs> it's funny because it's like we're doing this for like, you know, they're doing it for shareholders, right? Like, oh, we're doing this for shareholders because we got to get more money in. And all they did by doing this was completely destroyed the shareholders by doing this. So now I can go scoop it up cheaper and make more money. Um, in general, I think it should have never happened. Um, you know, the one thing is like it was leaked info. So technically they could have been telling the truth and saying that we're going to be getting this together. We're going to send it out and get player feedback and publisher feedback. And then we wouldn't have been in, you know, this issue anyways, we might've just had feedback that came through and says, Nope, we don't want to do that. And then hell was raised or it truly was going to happen without any player feedback. And because it was leaked, all of this happened. And then they had to kind of deal with the PR nightmare. And then we got what we wanted anyways. I think regardless the end scenario would have occurred the same. If they were to release an OGL 1.5, you would still have uproar. In fact, you'd have more uproar than what you do right now because it just gets released and revoked right off the bat with the 1.0. You'd probably have potential lawsuits and other things tied in. At least with it being leaked, PR nightmare, yes, but they're able to, in that respect, just go forward and say, oh, well, no, we were looking to do player testing and all these other things, and that's what we're planning to do and what we always plan and backtrack statements. So... I don't think this was ever going to happen. And with things like Pathfinder and Cobalt Press and other forms of, you know, Moving RPG on gaming out there. Yeah. People would have just gone off somewhere else. Like you're going to have your players that continue to buy D and D products, but like me, for example, 
I have enough D&D books right now that I've bought through 5e, but I could just keep doing campaigns as long as I want and not have any issues. There's so yeah. much content out there. You don't, even if OGL happened, you don't have to support them. You could just be like, well, fuck it. I'm boycotting everything else and I'm just going to use my existing content. After two years of playing D&D or DMing, you could, you basically have enough under your belt at that time to just homebrew whatever you want anyways like mm-hmm. you quickly learn the more you play that it's all just kind of arbitrary and doesn't matter you can kind of do whatever you want yeah. so like once you've got the base books like you need the three books so that you have the numbers and the system and an understanding and from there you don't really need to buy anything else like i'm not yeah. gonna buy a 6e or D D one or whatever's gonna come out next because why would i no this stuff I'll- doesn't go out of date <laughs> Now I'll finish buying all the 5e stuff and I'll buy prior release 5e stuff. So I have all the books and settings that I can pull from. And I actively do that uh, when I plan campaigns. In fact, with what I plan to run in the future, as we discussed earlier, I plan on pulling from D&D 5e books that I have that have like little one shots and things like that, that I may incorporate into our campaign um, in different types of you know setting, right? It's not going to be the exact same setting, but use them as inspiration to kind of help me develop a homebrew. Um, and it's yeah, if it's there, it's there. You don't you don't need to continue buying these books. And the reason that D and D became so big recently were things like, you know, the third party publishers that went out there and created more content that players could utilize. And by stripping that away was, you know, or trying to strip that away would have been the one of the dumbest things that they could have done, or not strip it away, but forcing royalties and other things like that you know, when you had a free system in place, kind of a dick move. Yeah. So well, it's to say, Oh, you helped build this up. Now you have to pay us because you're bigger. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just saw an article headline here saying Hasbro, uh, owner of wizards of the coast to lay off 50% of workforce. So they'll be fine. Don't, how don't much, worry. They'll be fine. How much percent of their workforce? 15%. Ooh, that's a, that's a decent chunk. Like my company just laid off, I think 3%. And that was, no, I think, we, did we lay off 10%? I don't remember how much we laid off, but we laid off a good bit. All the tech companies are laying people off right now yeah. or have laid people off um, for the year. And that usually happens in January anyways. Got to consolidate the money for the CEOs. Uh, no, not so much that. It's honestly shareholder stuff, like all these companies. But it, Microsoft is the funniest one, though, because they've laid off like, I think it was 6% of their workforce or 3%, which comes out to like 15,000 employees. And they laid all these people off to save, I don't know how much for their workforce when they're trying to buy Activision. Man, like, well, they're going to pick up a lot of new devs and stuff from that deal. So, like, I true. know that they laid off like a ton of people at 343, and Halo yeah. is taking a big hit from this. So, it's like, I just, that's what baffles me the most is like, there should be nothing that stands between Microsoft and making Halo the best game that it can and like making cuts in that game that's already struggling, especially with its like primarily single player driven content, which was supposed to like this was going to be a 10 year Halo game. Not if you fire everybody that was working on the main story and well, cut it. It was 10 years in, in dog years. <laughs> no, you didn't get that memo. Oh, no, no, no. I yeah, forgot so- it was Dograsoft. Yeah, yeah. It's about one and a half year support. That's what it kind of comes out to, give or take. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next thing, which this might be the funniest article that I've read. Oh, this in poor a while. dude. 
So Fire Emblem engages lead voice actor. We should get him on here. Like, just see what's up. Uh, he's frustrated. Yeah, frustrated at GameStop as they didn't fulfill his Fire Emblem Engage Divine Edition pre-order. First off, why is the lead voice actor having to go through GameStop? To yeah, Nintendo, hook this dude up. What the hell? Like, you would think. I, I mean, I've heard of voice actors that get like premium content with things are released like the guy has a lead to your game a yeah. lot i'm yeah. sure a lot of voice actors just kind of casually do that as a job this guy actually wanted it like he should have just asked so sicker at my nintendo news when that uh published this but um so he kind of goes into the like you see his twitter posts and the employee that he was talking was like oh yeah your order is canceled blah blah and he was really looking forward to it um, somebody's like, well, why didn't you play the, do you know who I am card? And he's like, well, first off, that's not their fault. Um, and then second of, I don't want to really be a dick about it. You know, like it happens type of situation, but the guy's too nice. Like I I'd be pissed and I wouldn't necessarily be going to GameStop pissed. I'd be going to Nintendo pissed to be like GameStop has been purchasing X amount of orders or, you know, not purchasing, but like selling X amount of pre-orders for something that they didn't even know they were going to have stock for. And then Nintendo doesn't even fulfill those pre-orders. Yeah. Like, well, I'm sure Nintendo's happy to do so. Yeah. Like Nintendo doesn't care about stock. You know that. I mean, they care about their stock, but they don't care about our stock. No, I know. And, and like, that's the thing. Like if Nintendo just said, okay, GameStop, you pulled in for like, you know, 10,000 orders of this divine edition. We only had you allocated for eight, but you know what? Let's go ahead and make an additional 2000. Let your players know, or your, you know, customers know that it'll be a little bit delayed. Here's a code to be able to do whatever, right? Instead, they gave the lead voice actor a code, a digital download. And it was like, Oh, well you can just get the normal edition. Like that's just bullshit. And it, I, I really, yes, it's on GameStop for like, kind of raking in the cash and saying, okay, well now you're stuck, which I don't think they technically can. You can get a refund that and say, no, I didn't get what well, I yeah, wanted. But so I want most of back. the time, what they're going to do is they're going to say, oh, well that's not going to happen. So what we can do if you want is transfer that pre-order to another title. What else are you looking for? So they keep that money. Yeah, exactly. But you as a consumer can say, uh, no, I'm yeah, you my could demand it and, back, but like yeah. most likely 90% of people not gonna, but here's the worst part about this whole story. He went to eBay and purchased it off a reseller. Yeah. He like, should have gone to Nintendo. Just, I would have just gone directly to Nintendo, directly to the publisher and be like, look, I'm the lead act on this. Yeah. I tried. Here's the story. Here's what happens. Can I please get a divine edition? And they probably yeah. would have given him that and then some. They probably so, have like a mega divine edition. Yeah. Right. Like here's your mega divine edition for this. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, it's kind of hilarious the way it all worked out. Like of all people to get shafted, that's the guy that got shafted. So, yeah. All right. Well, talking about getting shafted, uh, Bubble Bath Games on the NES is. <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk Shadow Dancer on the uh, Secret of Shinobi. Um, so developed by Sega, published by Sega, uh, designed by Tomohiro Kondo released in 1990 it is a platform game hack and slash now you might think that this is a follow-up to revenge of shinobi which i'm pretty sure you and i played ryan we'll have to check our prior episodes but it is most certainly a new iteration of the arcade version of shadow dancer 
or Secret Shinobi. Uh, no, just Shadow Dancer. Sorry, I messed it up. Um, so basically the same game for the most part, for a few minor tweaks here and there. No, I now, think this is the only Shinobi game we've played. Really? Yeah. I could have sworn that we played uh, another one. I thought we played Revenge. You know what? I might have played Revenge on my own. That might be what it was. Um, okay, so plot on this. This is new for us. We normally go into this kind of blind and try to remember what the plot was. So I just pulled this directly from Wikipedia. It's the easiest thing. In 1997, an evil ninja cult union lizard worshiping a giant reptilian demon has taken over New York City, turning most of the city to ruins. The few citizens who survived union lizards onslaught of chaos are now kept prisoners by its members. A ninja warrior accompanied by his faithful dog Yamato emerges from hiding to combat union lizards reign and rescue the hostages. So that's your general plot on what's happening from this game. And um, honestly, I'm all for it. I, I really enjoyed this game. I felt that the music was super cool. I like the one hit death aspect of this. Like it's not like most games where you get hit a few times and your health bar goes away. This is like you get hit by one enemy, you're done and you have to restart the level. And we got so frustrated. No, it had like some kind of checkpointy, didn't mm-hmm. it? It had checkpoint. Yeah, but it didn't have. Uh, yeah, you're right. So it had checkpoint. But when you died, you died. Like yeah. that was it. You start back from where you were. Mega Man rules. I liked it. I thought it was a little more challenging. It kind of helped us be a little more strategic in what we were doing and how we played the game. There are bonus um, lives that you can grab throughout. So that way you can kind of continue on um, that kind of act as like a life bar for you. Um, But you got to find them. There's pretty cool enemies in this game that we saw. Um, Some of them are throwing shield things at you. Some are just like standard, like, you know, other ninjas, like, throwing things or i think there were some guns involved as well while we were playing you do have the hostages that you're gonna have to come across and then of course you as yourself can throw shurikens and you have these special abilities my thing you have these special abilities that you can use like summoning fire and whatnot uh at the beginning of a game or level and you can only do that like one time i think is what i remember reading uh throughout each level yeah like as you destroy everything on screen um You've got your dog that you can attack you with. Could, yep. You could sick him on people. So if the There's dog a, starts barking, you hold down the attack button and he attacks the enemy. We could not get that to work, really. There's I think because we weren't holding the attack button. There's a sword that you can use situationally. When you're close sometimes. to the enemy. Yeah, when <laughs> so you're close like, to the enemy. I feel like there's some elements to this game that like if you really sat down and got to know the controls and maybe weren't playing on a retron or something, I don't know. You might understand what you're doing a little bit better and have some more options. Uh, But for the most part, you're just like running around throwing shurikens and trying not to get hit by stuff. Um, The graphics, you know, it's Sega good. It looks good to me. Um, I had fun with it. Uh, Did we say the reception? Reception was like a six to nine. It was kind of all over the board. Uh, Yeah, it's between a six and nine, but I felt it was around an eight. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a serviceable game. Uh, I think that I would play more of it if I had like a Sega thing. I would like to maybe get like a Sega Classic system and crack it just so that I can play Sega games on a Sega controller. So Mm -hmm. who knows if that'll be in my future. Maybe this will be something to go back and check out. But let's look at the brass tacks. So getting down to it, uh, this game, complete inbox. Today it's going for... 5859 uh that peaked at 7031 back in June of 2022 and that is trending down 
Uh, loose copy will run you twenty five fifty. That peaked at thirty two sixty two back in December of twenty twenty one. Uh, that's currently going up. So uh, this game has historically been like way cheaper. So it's really, you know, picked up since the, you know, collection boom and everything has really picked up. Uh, so in my mind, I think this is a good game that's probably going to go up in price uh, over time. So if you could pick it up now, you know, you might as well. Like if they're if you're the kind of person who's like, you know, you buy a game a month or something, or I don't know what your budget is, you know, you got a hundred dollars that you spend a quarter on retro games, you know, this I don't think would be a, a horrible choice. I think you can save yourself some money down the road on a title like this. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Um there are copies, like even if you got um now what I always suggest, or not always, but have been recently suggesting is if you could find a copy that has the manual and the game and just print out your own version of a cover, it's going to look pretty good. And like, that's what I've been doing. So whenever I come across like a loose copy of a game that I have, I just make my own covers and it looks just as solid and it goes into that clamshell case and looks great. So like find yourself a loose copy. If you really are hankering on getting that like authentic look, buy a third party case, slap in your own cover art, and it's going to look solid on the shelf. Um, complete in box. I will say this is a very nice complete in box. A manual was a nice touch. Um, we were looking through this. Um, of course, the artwork is actually really good on this piece or on this game. There's two versions. There's yeah, the Sega other one Classic. is way better. There's a Sega Classics version, and then there's the original. I am actually, a, I have a preference for the original versus like the blue Sega Classics um, look that they have. Um, as far as you know, general, like I covered the music, the controls, those types of things were great for me. I love the artwork in this game. I think it was fantastic. It all flowed very smoothly. Uh, great gameplay. Uh, overall plot was a lot of fun. It's short. So, I mean, you're only looking at like five levels in total. Um, I'm a big fan. Would I say 60 bucks complete in box is worth it? I would have to look at current gen games and what you're looking at playing. If you are not one to play a bunch of current gen games, you prefer retro. And, you know, this is a uh, kind of up your alley and what you would like to play. I would think $60 or 58, 59 is not a bad deal to get like the original, like a pristine copy complete in box. Um, but I would also kind of, you know, teeter off towards a loose end here and say 25 bucks. And I would say for $25, it's just right. Um, if you got a digital copy of a game indie wise, this is about what you would pay. And if you're looking for that complete in box experience, I, I think that based on what it is and it's not a super common game, I would think that's probably a good price as well. Yeah. I think like 25 bucks for loose copies, a good deal on this. Yeah. Like not maybe the best deal ever, but you know, in favor of it going up in the future buy while it's cheap. Pretty much. By the way, some of these games that we've covered where we're like, hey, buy it while it's cheap. I've looked back and they've gone up quite a bit, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is always cool. Part of it's because that whole big COVID jump in pricing, which mm -hmm. is another thing, right? We were doing this podcast for a while and we we're like, hey, this game's actually cheap right now. You should pick it up. And some of those games are not so cheap now. Um, so this is definitely one to keep an eye on. All right. Well, uh, next week. Not sure what we want to play yet. I've been, 
you know, we'll see if uh, One Piece Burning Blood comes in uh, and see if that's something that we can kind of try out and play through, have some fun with that. Another option, if you're up for it, I could throw Callisto Protocol onto my PC. Ooh. And I do have an Xbox One controller I picked up recently at Goodwill for like $5. So might be a good option for us to play. Yeah, that'd be fun. So we'll we'll think about it. We'll see what we want to do next week. But uh, that's kind of what I was thinking. All right. Well, sounds good. Cool. cool. Well, this has been episode 220 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. <laughs>